The Oklahoma Sooners have made a lot of additions through the transfer portal this offseason, but who's going to make the biggest impact? Let's discuss on Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Homer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KREF Sports app. And Josh, the transfer portal was fruitful for the Oklahoma Sooners, especially along the offensive line. But who is the guy that you think could make the biggest impact? And really what's impressive is that CBS Sports here believes that Fabechi Wiwu is going to be the transfer portal addition that makes the biggest impact for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, do you think that uh, – do you think CBS Sports has it right with Fabechi Wiwu? I think we might be – projecting a little bit maybe hopeful i mean it's hard for me not to think of a guy like Dion burks you know because of his you know just the playmaking ability uh, I, I think he's going to get the ball in his hands a lot more and obviously you're going to notice that a lot more but i do think the ascension that we've seen out of wee during his north texas career and getting with bill beatenbow getting with jerry schmidt and continuing to develop to develop i think he very well could end up being the most impactful position player. Here's what CBS Sports said about Fabechi Wewu. Wewu has quietly been one of the most consistent offensive linemen in the nation. He emerged as a starter at guard for North Texas in 22 as a redshirt freshman and remained on the interior in 2023 as uh, while battling through injuries. In 1,612 career snaps, he has not allowed a single sack, which, hey, that's pretty impressive. Uh, they write this too. He was also named a team captain as a sophomore in honor, which speaks to his intangibles. Wee Woo could play at multiple positions for an Oklahoma offensive line that has to replace all five of its starting options from the 2023 season. So I'm kind of like you. To me, the – Slam dunk is that Deion Burks is going to be a big time skill talent for Oklahoma out of this transfer portal hall. So if you asked me to pick one player that uh, will have a significant impact on Oklahoma's 2024 season, I think I'd feel most confident in him. And yet, look, in some way, shape or form, we woo and Brown and Tarkin and uh, whoever the final name is that I'm, I'm missing here out of the transfer portal for the offensive line. Uh, hatchet hatchet a couple of those guys yeah are going to play big roles and it might be wee woo in a starting role if he starts and he doesn't give up a sack uh now granted that's an interior guy but that's gonna be pretty good i mean that's gonna be great for oklahoma in the sec yeah i mean everybody gets beat from time to time but to go that many pass block snaps and not or that many snaps and not allow a sack is pretty impressive i mean with as many games and stunts as defensive coordinators run in this day and age it's easy to get lost in the mix and lose what your responsibility is and to be able to hold up that consistently is pretty impressive 
uh, yeah, the injuries from 2023, that'll be something we'll kind of keep an eye on. But I mean, what, who's to say that this guy can't come in and immediately be their most impactful transfer? I, I think the offensive line is going to kind of make or break Oklahoma season. If it comes together, they they will be in SEC contention in November. Now, how that November plays out will determine how, you know, how serious of a contender they are. But I mean, if the offensive line doesn't come together, I mean, we're looking at a, a potentially you know disappointing season for the Oklahoma Sooners, but we could very well be a significant part of that. Uh, you know, he's he's a kid that hasn't really played a lot of offensive line, hadn't played a lot of football, and that's why he ended up at a place like North Texas. But you're starting to see the growth. You're starting to see the development. And if that can continue, we might be watching maybe potentially Oklahoma's next great offensive line, or at least another draftable offensive line for Bill Biedemo to have on his resume. You look at uh, Tyler Guyton, right? Started his career, uh, I believe, was playing some H-back, and, and then obviously wound up at Oklahoma and ends up being a, a great offensive tackle. There's some legitimate buzz out there, John, that maybe he's going to wind up as a first-round NFL draft pick or you know, second round uh, fairly early, too, and, and high in the first round is what some draft folks out there think. We'll, we'll see that if and when it happens. But long story short, when you think about somebody like WeeWoo that, again, is uh, learning and learning, Bill Biedenboe somebody that has a nice little development track record, oftentimes from folks that did not start at Oklahoma, right? I mean, you think of a number of guys that they've landed out of the transfer portal that he and OU have turned into, well, uh, NFL stars, right? So maybe WeeWoo can be the next in line. And uh, if not that, then 6'4", 316, nice guy that can step in and help you immediately along the interior. It, it goes back to everything that we've discussed with the offensive line transfer portal hall. It's an experienced group that at the very least provides you a very nice floor for what this offensive line should be in 2024. At the same time, getting ascending players like a wee woo, uh, you know, getting a very experienced player like Spencer Brown, Michael Tarkin, guys that have played a lot of college football, you know, Gary and Hatchet, even though he's battling the injury, you've got the potential to put together an offensive line that could be really, really good. Now it's got to come together, but it, it has that very much that, that potential very much. We talked about Dion Burks. Is there anybody else that you feel like we'll be talking about this time next year as, okay, that was Oklahoma's most significant transfer portal edition. Well, uh, Interestingly enough, the transfer portal ranking, according to 24-7 Sports, really likes Bauer Sharp as uh, as a tight end. So, you know, he's making kind of uh, the interesting jump to Oklahoma where you're coming from southeastern Louisiana to OU. That's, of course, different than, say, a Jake Roberts from Baylor to Oklahoma. Big time difference there. And yet, uh, at least according to some of the evaluators out there, they like him as a, a blue chip addition for Oklahoma in terms of transfer portal ranking. So maybe that's a name that we're sleeping on a little bit. I, uh, I will cop to the idea that I sort of suspect myself that Jake Roberts of the two feels to me the more likely to step in and be impactful for Oklahoma at tight end. But maybe we're just snoozing a little bit on Mr. Sharp. Well, again, we talk about a guy who hasn't played a lot of tight end because he made the transition from quarterback to tight end and now has taken the step 
in Norman to continue to further that development. And he very well could find a role and carve out a role, especially in the passing game. I mean, he's got some Blake Bell tendencies to him as well as a guy that can run some quarterback power if you need him to down at the goal line. But I mean, very, I think he's got the athleticism to be a playmaker for Oklahoma. It's just a matter of, okay, how's that competition play out? Do they feel safer going with the Jake Roberts? Who's got a lot more, you know, FBS experience, or do they, they like the upside of a Bauer sharp athletically, or even a Caden Helms athletically. I mean, he's not the transfer portal edition, but I think it, it creates an interesting dynamic at tight end that we're not really sure where this is all going to play out when it comes to, you know, the end of August and Oklahoma starts their first game of the season. Who's going to be out there running with the ones that'll be, I think that'll be a question that we don't have an answer to until the season starts. And I'll say this just in closing here on CBS sports mentioning of Fabechi Wewu as Oklahoma's most impactful transfer newcomer. If that comes to fruition, that's a great sign. I think for OU, because don't you feel strongly as we've discussed that Deion Burks is somebody that's going to step in and impact the wide receiver room. We haven't talked about him, but I feel like Des Malone in some capacity. Yes. Will impact uh, Oklahoma's defensive backfield. We'll see about Caden Woolard. Obviously a nice collegiate production. You could see him factoring in a little bit for Oklahoma's defensive line rotation. We talked about the tight end. So there's names on the board, right. That can help Oklahoma and, and Spitzer Brown, just the entirety of the offensive line hall. If uh wee woo is the guy at the end of it that we're talking about was the most impactful then to me, John, because I, I feel like, especially with Burks that he's definitely going to step in and help Oklahoma then. And because of the need at offensive line, we knew that we started this off season talking about that. You've got what we think will be contributors out of the portal in a Burks and maybe a couple of others. If we lose the name, we wind up talking about, okay, this was the star they landed. That's great news for Oklahoma's running backs. It's great news for Jackson Arnold. I, I think that that would be maybe the arguably the most positive news for Oklahoma out of the portal. You need your offensive line to be really good. And if that comes to fruition, then yeah, I think we'll look back and be like, yeah, Deion Burks had a great year, but it was the offensive line that made the biggest difference. Who are some teams that could take a step back in 2024? Do we have to worry about the Oklahoma Sooners potentially taking a step back? We'll discuss that next here on Locked on Sooners. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book if you're like us you're ready just counting down ready to park it on the couch get uh, all those great snacks and place those winning wagers those super bets with FanDuel Sportsbook FanDuel they've got so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58 but FanDuel also has bets for which uh, players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, so much more. The uh, props are always fun this time of year in the uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl just feels like you have to place a prop or two, don't you? New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So every year we go season to season with projections about which teams are going to be good, which will not be very good. A team that surprised everybody in 2023 was the Missouri Tigers. You know, they went from, you know, six wins 
under Eli Drinkwitz, not winning more than that in the first three seasons to, you know, a double digit win team and, and had a very good year. But could they be a step back candidate in 2024? Michigan obviously is a team that's going to be a step back candidate because they lose their head coach. They lose their quarterback. They lose their running back, lose a lot of talent there. So Josh, what are the chances that, okay, we're optimistic about Oklahoma going into the sec in 2024, but what are the chances that Oklahoma suffers a bit of a step back from their 10 win season in 2023? Well, because of the strength of schedule that you're facing, it's, and Look, you don't have a two-year starting quarterback coming back. You've got uh, a quarterback that'll be making his second career start to begin next season. Now, granted, Jackson Arnold, uber talented uh, on paper, full offseason, uh, you know, spring into the fall camp, a uh, couple of uh, tune-ups, and then off you go into a strong SEC schedule to get him to where okay, he unlocks some different dimensions for you, right? He's comfortable, and then he unlocks some different dimensions with his arm strength, with what his feet can bring to this offense. But okay, here's somebody that hasn't started a lot of football games all the same, right? And oh, by the way, there's a Tennessee with its own talented young quarterback on the schedule. To end this thing, you've got Alabama and LSU. Oh, by the way, the Missouri that uh, is painted as a fallback candidate here, they're still going to be good. Oklahoma's got a road trip there on its schedule. They got to go to Auburn. So uh, if if Auburn is supposed to be one of your layup games on the road, okay, you've got a pretty challenging schedule, right? Ole Miss, you got to go there. So it is, uh, and then of course, Texas and, and others. It's a challenging schedule. The schedule itself with sort of the conditions, I think that surrounded for Oklahoma I'm optimistic that OU is going to be in that 9-10 win ballpark or maybe north of it. I'm not going to rule that out, John. Uh, if a couple of things fall into place the way that they need to, most notably the offensive line, as we've discussed a little bit, defensive line taking that elite step forward. Secondary, I feel like uh, top to bottom needs to improve for Oklahoma. Linebacker opposite Danny Stutzman, you could probably see some consistency growth there. So, so there's questions to be had for Oklahoma, but I do see a pathway where they could be a 9, 10, 11 win regular season team. But if you're asking me, could they be a step back candidate from 10 wins too? It would be, I think, a, a disservice to the fan base to sit here and tell you that that isn't a possibility. I do think it's a possibility. Yeah. For a lot of the reasons that we just discussed, the offensive line not coming together. If the offensive line doesn't come together, then you're going to have a lot of, a lot of, uh, Issues with Jackson Arnold staying upright. It's going to be difficult to run the football. Your offense isn't going to run as efficiently as it needs to. And, you know, defensively, yeah, you've got a lot of guys returning. You've got a lot of talent coming up, but it's all different. You know, I do think defensively there's less of a jump for the Oklahoma Sooners defense to make going to the SEC. Yes, there's talented offenses. The offensive lines probably will be better. But as far as skill talent goes, I think the Big 12 stacks up pretty well against what the SEC skill talent is. And so I, I do think now LSU's wide receiver core usually is about elite, as good as it gets in the nation. But I think they won't have as big of a jump to make as the offense will going up against SEC defenses that will you know, be really, really tough up front. And that's where the offensive line challenge is going to be. And I, I'm with you. I think there's a path to... 10, 11 wins and a playoff berth. But I mean, there's very much a chance that this Oklahoma team does fall back to eight wins. And so if that were to happen, 
what would it mean for the Sooners? Because things are looking up right now. Everybody's feeling pretty positive, jumping from six wins to 10 in Brent Venable's second season, seeing the noticeable growth on defense. You know, what would have to happen for you to like be okay? And maybe that's even a dumb question to ask because I don't think anybody would ever be okay with Oklahoma only winning eight, eight games. But what would it mean if they did fall back from 10 to eight wins? Well, and let's say they fall to nine, right? Like even toss nine into the equation, but they don't go to the SEC championship game. They don't find themselves in the 12 team playoff. Maybe two of those three losses are sort of embarrassing variety where they, they get handled, right? Close wins and you lose one more uh, among the rest of your schedule, right? If it looks like in spots that you're not totally prepared for the SEC, could be problematic, but just on the surface, right? Let's exist with the you you, you win only nine games or eight or below, right? Uh, to me, I'm not going to totally freak out about it, depending upon how it plays out. If Jackson Arnold shows some legitimate promise and maybe there's some hiccups early, say this thing gets off the the rails a little bit to start. You lose to Tennessee at home. You you go to Auburn. You lose that game you lose to Texas who could be really, really good again with the return of Quinn years. And then all of a sudden you went out. Well, that's going to totally change the complexion of what we think. Right. Or you lose that Tennessee game, lose the Texas game, and then you lose somewhere else coming down the stretch for Oklahoma. But along the way, we see legitimate growth from Jackson Arnold and maybe his mistakes early were why they lost a couple of games. Then by season's end, okay, you could be feeling okay about things. So it is conditioned upon how the season goes. Does Oklahoma look like it gets bullied a little bit in the SEC along both lines of scrimmages? I think that's going to be a, a key point of emphasis. Yeah, so much of this season is about development because, again, you are going with a first-year starting quarterback in Jackson Arnold. You've got an offensive line that you've got to figure out, and you've got some young skill talent, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, you know, Deion Burks, Gavin Sawchuk, that you're continuing to develop. But with the experience that you do have on defense, I mean, you can't really sit back and say, no, we're, this is a developed year. This is a retooling year. We're just trying to, you know, stay bowl eligible. Nah, it's Oklahoma. You've got to be pushing for conference championships and the playoff berth. And so I think anything less than kind of being in contention at the end of or in the middle of November, I think would be disappointing for Oklahoma fans. I feel like they very much could have a chance to be in the mix, but if they're sitting there, you know, outside of the SEC title game race as they enter November, I feel like it would be disappointing and it would definitely call into question, you know, the direction a little bit, or at least maybe not the direction, but it would turn the heat up a little bit on the coaching staff because I do think the direction is strong. And that first year might, might very well be that, that eye opening year that everybody keeps saying it's going to be, but the talents there for it to go very well for Oklahoma, but it's a transition and they're going to have to weather some storms and, and take on some challenges and, and win some games that maybe it doesn't make sense that they go and win, but it's very much there for Oklahoma to go have a successful season in their first year in the sec, anything less than contending for the sec title game and the playoff, I think would be viewed as a disappointment for the sooner nation. And, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, okay, we're looking to 2025 that, that's the year where this should all come together. I, I don't think you ever want to do that because you never know what your roster is going to look like one season to the next with the transfer portal. So you kind of always have to be in win now mode. There's no rebuild year, retool year. It's we're Oklahoma. We're going to go win now. 
it's OU. The expectations do not change. And you and I can sit here and talk rationally and measured. Uh, but the bottom line is, even though it's Jackson Arnold's first year starting, folks expect greatness. And they expect that from this team. They expect the, you know, not that you're breaking in a starting quarterback to be a reason for it's a leap year, right? Or you got to take uh, take one more year to get there. Folks aren't going to be patient. So, yes, if it if it winds up where Oklahoma falls back in conjunction with its first year in the SEC, I don't think you write off the full in-game vision for Brent Venables and company, but let's just call a spade a spade, as I think you were alluding to, John. Yeah, there's going to be some angst within the Oklahoma fan base really crank up, I think, for the first time that – and for some, maybe they're already there or have been there at different points and in pieces. But I think you'll see more of a pronounced collective, oh, is this really going to be Brent Venables and company take this to a national championship level? I would, again, push back against that and say 25 is going to be that final year where you can sort of make that evaluation. But you don't want to wait, right? None of us want to wait. We want a reason to believe now in the first year in the SEC that, no, Brent Venables has got it. He went and got Stone. He got Jackson, on and on and on. And now this thing is about to start humming and rolling downhill. So why wait when you can be great right now? That's exactly right. One team that's great right now, that's Oklahoma's women's basketball team who knocked off K-State, the number two team in the nation, on Wednesday night. Let's talk about that. The Oklahoma Sooners have been rolling in Big 12 play uh, of late. They're now 8-1 and one on, the, on the Big 12 slate um, after going, what, just 6-5 and five in non-conference, uh, if I'm looking at reading ESPN standings right. But they got a big win over number two, Kansas State, their first top two win since 2004. And it was a back-and-forth game. I'm looking at the, the stat sheet here. Uh, from OU Athletics, and there were 13 lead changes. There were 10 times that the game was tied, and both teams had a significant amount of time in which they led this game. K-State led for nearly 20 minutes. OU led for nearly 14 minutes in this one. So it was a a back-and-forth battle and a big win for Jenny Baranchik's team to, again, continue their hot start to Big 12 play. Not a great return for Gabby Gregory to uh... – the Lloyd Noble Center, one of eight shooting just the uh, five points. That was one of the differences in the game. But for Oklahoma, of course, they knock off number two, Kansas State, minus Aoka Lee. For the conference race, this is gigantic. Uh, eventually, I think now down the road, we can start talking about – I mean, this is obviously going to finish as a quad one win for Oklahoma regardless of what happens the rest of the way for Kansas State. They're not falling out of that status at this point. So it's a big-time resume builder. The NCAA tournament, it helps them there in terms of seating line, and I think we can start talking about those things for this Oklahoma women's team. They look like maybe they're on the trajectory to repeat as Big 12 regular season champions. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing to me these last two games, Van, of course, was fabulous again. She continues to emerge as this team's leading star that is a back-to-back 21 point performances versus Kansas and Kansas state. She also had 19 against Texas, 21 against Houston, 20 against Texas tech. So she's on a serious roll and uh, has keyed this five game winning streak for Oklahoma. But the other interesting component to it, John is they haven't really 
these last two uh, against the Sunflower State foes played out in typical Ginny Baranchek, Oklahoma women's basketball fashion. They've been grinders. They've been win it with defense. And uh, Oklahoma, that's not necessarily always uh, in this Ginny Baranchek era been their calling card. But, you know, over the course, now they've won different ways, right? They won in Austin, 91-87. These last two games, they were, hey, uh, it's going to be a 10-round heavyweight knockout, dragout fight. and uh, and. OU was able to get into that defensive battle, step into the ring, stay in the ring, and go win both of these. And against the Kansas State team that came in feeling really confident about itself. You mentioned the defensive effort. They held Kansas State to just 25% shooting in the fourth quarter. They opened holding them to 27.8% and in the fourth quarter, 25% and then just 33% on three. So a big time effort for Oklahoma and, and they bounced back from a poor shooting first quarter for them. They shot 27% in the first quarter and then didn't shoot under 41% the rest of the way. So, you know, that defensive effort that you talked about, it, it shows up on the stat sheet and it showed up in the game as well. This was a team that, you know, they lost to an FCS team, you know, more than a month ago in non-conference. And okay, there were a lot of questions being asked about uh, the direction of the program, you know, having to replace some big time talents uh, that you lost after last season. But all of that has changed. This is a team that, again, they bounced back from a, a bad loss to Kansas State at home in Norman earlier in non-con or earlier in conference play and have righted the ship. I mean, you know, they've, they've got wins over UCF and BYU and Cincy and Tech and Houston and then number 10, Texas. And like you said, Kansas and Kansas State, who is number two now. I mean, the Sooners are, they should be a ranked team when it comes to next week's polls because of the, the big wins that they've had recently. And yeah, they're definitely heading to the NCAA tournament. The big question is going to be, can they emerge out of that round of 32 that Jenny Baranchik has been able to get them to in her first two seasons. But I mean, with the way they're playing right now, being able to win in multiple ways and getting contributions from a number of people and being able, being able to win in a game where you only have three double digit scorers. I think that that's huge. And it just shows kind of the overall depth and talent throughout the team. But Skylar Van, I mean, coming through big in a big game against a big time opponent. Yeah. She's playing great basketball. And uh, so happy to see her develop into this type of star for uh, Oklahoma. Just feels good, don't it? Back-to-back days, getting to talk about a win for Oklahoma basketball over Kansas State. Somebody will probably point out, well, it happened last year, but when's the last time in consecutive days, men's and women's basketball, we got to talk about wins over Kansas State. Feels like for one reason or another, they're always a thorn, especially on the men's basketball side. Up in uh, the Little Apple, historically, they've been, uh, for whatever reason, OU hasn't been able to solve that puzzle. But the last two days, we've been able to sit here and say, all right, uh, nice little win over Ema. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting season for both men and women because both are playing good ball for the most part. And obviously the women are, are playing great ball as well. They've got another big test in Bedlam on uh, February 3rd at 4 p.m. against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. So that'll be a game to watch for sure. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John. Boomer Sooner.